Hi guys, welcome to Across the Pond. I'm here with Mark Malone. My name is Richard Willett. So this whole concept of this show is that we're going to compare what's going on in in drizzly England to what's on going on over in the US. There, whereabouts are you now, Mark? You're in a different location this week. No, I'm still in Arizona, so we still have really blue skies. I don't think you can see out the window, but um, I will be moving to South Dakota next weekend, which will be also drizzly, uh, like England, but <laughs> 30 degrees colder is there a reason for the move is it is it tactical or is it just fancy a change everything yeah closer to the family so wife's family lives uh right next door to the state south dakota is the freest place on the planet uh Mm. of course it's the only place that never had any covid restrictions uh so even in march of 2020 there were eight u.s states that never shut down the rest shut down like the world shut down eight u.s states didn't but the seven of the eight had some restrictions. So like Wyoming and Nebraska and Kansas, these sorts of places, uh, and I think Missouri or Mississippi, they they didn't shut down, but they were they closed bars down and closed some gyms down. South Dakota had zero restrictions, even in March of 2020, nothing. Right. The governor of South Dakota said it's up to the American people. It's not the government's job to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. So that's the America that you know, we all know and love that we want to see return, right? Because South Dakota essentially is what the founders of this country would wanted to see of this country. So um, it's the freest place in the world because it's. It, I want to be around people that when shit hits the fan, which it already has, right? It's just we, we haven't seen the proper ramifications, mm-hmm. the dominoes yet. And I, we'll talk about that today. But, um, but I want to be around people that when shit hits the fan, they don't freak out and ask for the government to install... A communist dictatorship that would be ideal that would be lovely yeah well here let's start in, in the uk here and i'll quickly get you I mean you know you keep up to date what's going on but for the guys that, that don't know here in the uk they've done a complete u-turn from two weeks before um christmas going off on one about omicron the moronic variant shut down let's try and get back to normal nothing happened people were just like fasting on over it it's probably the most english term i could put not not going along with it. I don't know if that had an effect on it, but something happened within a three-week span. And there's a reason why people think this is, but I don't think this has anything to do with it. This this is quite clearly a pushed agenda by the mainstream. Um, this term, this whole thing about Boris having a party is utterly ridiculous. And it annoys me why people get angry about the things that the media, mainstream media tell them to get angry about. That really pisses me off because this is a, it's a dog whistle. And... Um, so basically, they uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think Boris came out maybe a week and a half ago saying he's going to drop everything, drop all the um, all the mandates. We're going to go back to basically how it was before um, this ever ever happened, and that's happened. And I think it's actually yesterday they dropped all the mask mandates and everything, and and um, pretty much everything went. But the most annoying thing is that we're in cult world now, post COVID world. So people are still doing it here. If people are still wearing masks on the buses and wearing masks in mm. the shops. And even more disturbing is the shops themselves, because they've been gaslit into to hating Boris now, the, the guy that brought these things in in the first place, technically, from what they know and they understand, they're annoyed at him because they've been told to be annoyed at him for having a party that they're going to keep these things in place. So it's the most absurd thing. It's like all these things they don't want to do just because the person now they're supposed to be annoyed at is telling them not to do them. They're going to do them to themselves. So they're going to abuse themselves in spite 
of themselves because now they don't like Boris because they've been told to not like Boris because he had a party because the mainstream media are now telling them to get angry about something that's utterly ridiculous, utterly unimportant compared to what people should be annoyed about. The fact that their lives are turning into an open air Nazi prison camp over the (laughs) last two years. They were fine with that because the news told them to be fine with that. Now they're not fine with freedom. Freedom is the enemy. And it's, Mark, it's, it's incredible. They're told yeah. to be annoyed at this man because he had a party and he attended this party and lied about it. But they're not annoyed about the fact that, that he was the person that was telling them to do all these things, ruined all of their employment. The NHS now is going to be in tatters in the next three months, well, two months, eight weeks. It's going to fall on its ass. They're not annoyed about that. They're annoyed about the things they've been told to be annoyed about. It just goes to show, one, how important the alternative media and work like we do is, and two, how easily led and powerful, easily led by the mainstream media are, and how powerful it is for these people. They literally will do as they told. They're gaslit by whatever they see on the TV, even mm. if it's a detriment to themselves. It's absurd here. Everything is could be back to normal, but it's not because they're angry at Boris. Right. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is so when you and I last spoke a month ago, right, there was slight hints of this transition in the media. And to be honest with you, I like I look more at the media than the governments about where the narrative is is actually going. What I mean by that is it isn't the UK government reversing restrictions that I think, oh, the, the narrative is changing. It's actually that it was seeding through the media since basically the beginning of the year. So just a couple of weeks before the restrictions were removed. And that's what I wanted to ask you, get your thoughts. I have my thoughts. But as someone who's in the UK right now and as someone who's obviously because where we live in like Republican America, we've had no restrictions for nearly a year and a half in most places. And as we said, with South Dakota, never at all. So, um, you know, in many cases in much of America, it's been like that for a really long time already. So I don't think we can ever say, oh, just because one place is free, everywhere else is going to be free because, well, Florida has been free for a year, Arizona, et cetera. Um, But it's not that. It's the media shifting the narrative. For example, you know, CNN um, started posting at the beginning of the year, right? They were saying, oh, there's a difference between dying with COVID and dying of COVID. And I'm like, fuck, I've been saying that for two fucking years. (laughs) So our our movement, if we can call it that, those who are in the know about what COVID really was, um, have been saying that since day one. We knew that in March of 2020. Uh, so, you know, there has to be a reason why they're shifting the narrative, right? So they started seeding it through. And then in the UK, when the restrictions were dropped, you started seeing these people like Jeremy Vine and many of these like talk show mainstream people who were championing the COVID narrative now starting to say, I was always against lockdowns, right? Like, and, and completely trying to reverse that position. So the, they wouldn't do that just because Boris Johnson dropped restrictions, right? So there's a, there's, there's a bigger narrative shift at play here. And I want to get your take as someone in the heat of the action, what you think that is. It's a really hard one to kind of, You can see, obviously, it's all being controlled. They've all changed the script on them, flipped the script on them. I don't think these these TV presenters would have, one, have a clue 
of what's going on on any level above mm-hmm. what's going on outside their front door. They're not bright enough to know this. That's why they've been chosen to do their jobs. So they're, they're probably just as confused as anyone and scared as anyone um, there going, why are we now putting this out? Why am I being told by my producer in my ear to say this and say that? Why is it flipped? So they're confused. So they would be rabbits and deers in the headlights, the likes of Philip Schofield and all of these guys, Jeremy Vine. They won't have a clue why, why, they, why they're being told to say the opposite of what they said before. So they're going to be thinking, well, now we're all like Dr. What was his name? I can't remember now, the TV doctor guy. Um, he, they just flipped him, flipped on them, which was always going to happen. So I don't know. Um, I think that, that they're, moving, they're shifting over to climate change. I think this, that's mm-hmm. been quite clear. We've seen that just before Christmas. We started to see posters in the railway, um, the railway stations and uh, of about climate change. There was a clear push for that just before Christmas with the, I think it was in November in the, with the summit that they had. They tried it a bit there, but also that didn't go that well over here. People were, thought it was, well, we were exhausted and thought mm-hmm. it was just like nonsense. So I don't know. I think they seem to be just pivoting to pull f- towards a different part of it. Um, right. Like they're finished with this bit, but only here. Because then you look at Wales and Scotland and it's, 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 it's compared to here, it's quite bad. So mm-hmm. now they're making out England to be um, like the people in Wales and Scotland, the, the government are now going up against like <sighs> bitching about co- about uh, about Boris and saying that he's basically letting, letting them down, letting it spread and what he's doing is horrific. Um, and he's like the black sheep now. So they're obviously trying to get him out. And that's mm-hmm. one element of it um, to probably to, to bring someone else in that would push it forward. But it's hard to see where it, how they go back from here. So all I can think of, really, when I look 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 at it, is that they need the city of London to still function. And mm. if they bought in COVID, like travel passports, like they have done in France and trying to do in other places, so the city of London wouldn't function if you look at the amount of people that are protesting. There's upwards of a million on people on the street every weekend protesting. The city of London would no longer function, and I think that could be one of the big reasons why they need the city to still allow people to get in get out do their job and i just think they can't function without this global um hub of where they run most of the especially the banking through so i think they just need it right for me i think that's probably the main concept is that they need the city of london to still function so they need england to kind of function fairly normal um compared to wales and scotland i mean what is your take on it that's all i can come up with at the moment yeah no i think that's an interesting point i definitely think we can't discount the pushback right like it's it's important that we don't do that because otherwise what happens is we start to make the enemy this impenetrable force which it isn't right if we if we really believe that we're all wasting our time having these conversations doing this work so we can't discount the pushback probably had something to do with this, right? The London protests were pretty much the biggest in the world that I'd seen anywhere. Um, you know, so that's important. I didn't see any other major city have a million people on the streets anywhere. So that's one thing, significant pushback. Uh, I think a lack of uptake on the boosters as well probably had. It, this is the problem with evil, right? I've always said that evil has the code of its own malfunction baked in. It's like building a code but because you can't, because you're not the proper designer, because you're not the creator, you can never truly build the code to work like natural law works. It's never going to truly work in accordance with logic. Um, so here's a perfect example. Had they stuck to two vaccines, they would have been able to keep the, vo- uh, the COVID passport indefinitely. Had they not tried to reach for three, right? But, but constantly pushing meant 
you broke it you because now 40% as opposed to 80% took the third one. So then now you've lost um, 60% of the population. So now you can't have a COVID passport. Had you stayed with the two, you already had the majority. You could have kept this going forever. This gravy train could have been indefinite because you had 70 to 80% of people on board. So that's why evil will always eventually fail. It has the code of its own malfunction because it doesn't actually know how to build and design properly because it doesn't work in accordance with logic, which is higher law and natural law, which is uh, you know physical law. So, so these things are really important and we always need to take stock of that. But as I've said since day one, and I think many of us have said since day one, it's not even them reaching the end game I'm concerned with. It's the damage they're going to cause along the way. For example, they might not actually achieve their global technocratic governance by 2030. But the amount of billions of deaths and damage they can cause trying to is going to be worse than the result itself, right? So that's why we fight, because regardless if they achieve it, the last two years should have shown everyone that they mean to. They mean to try, and they can do a lot in that place. So pushback, I think, is necessary. Uh, and I think the pushback has definitely been a part of it, but it's the minority part of it. I think the majority part of it is, so if we take the premise again that we know Brussels, the European Union, is a perfect example in the West of this, this idea of putting experts and appointed people in control of nations and continents. So the EU is a good example of this. China's even better, obviously. So we take Brussels, this idea of like, okay, we have to bring down national governments or at least make them completely toothless, as we talked about, I think, a month ago, right, to, to, to bring in this technocratic system. So we've talked about this before. Well, I think that the economic damage that the last two years has caused, which is um, we're only just going to start feeling now, and the shortages, which is going to cause untold chaos, untold poverty, and probably a lot of really violent unrest once it gets to a bad enough place. Yeah, we just, so just on that. Sorry, Mark, we've got, uh, before I forget what you're saying there, we've just got an email through from, I mean, it won't just be us, but it'll be everyone on on um on this same provider of uh, gas and electricity i've got an email for you saying it could be seen that our bills will be risen by 60 pounds a month a month mm. i mean up to 60 pounds a month i mean imagine that with how many billion people in sorry million people in the uk so and every sorry, I, bill. To, I mean this is just a sign of an email sure. that went out so i just wanted to jump in there because you we're starting to see these things now right 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 out. Well, no, that's an important point, too, because it's just £60 in one area. What about the water, right? What about the food? What about the petrol? And then you start to find that it's like, oh, it's 20% here, 30% there. And then suddenly what cost a year ago or two years ago a, a grand a month is now four grand a month. And you can't get out to work, so you work from home. Right. Which what they, As, we, we know that's a major part of what they want. Yeah, it's all about that regionalization, right? It's all about keeping you in the place that you are. Uh, so when the economic depression comes, because this is what I said in a recent video I did, uh, everyone should follow me on TikTok, by the way. TikTok, for some reasons, algorithm actually works. When I post like, quote, conspiracy material on TikTok, it actually gets seen by people on like YouTube and Facebook. So you can find me at my name on TikTok. But I posted a video on TikTok recently about this saying that Klaus Schwab himself said in the beginning, and this is most people kind of skip past this detail. And this is why you and I, and I know David has done this since the beginning, has always said it was economic, which it is. 
And Klaus Schwab himself confirmed this. June 3rd, 2020, he said, we need a great reset to avoid a great depression. So it was always about the economics. The reset was always about the economy. The COVID restrictions were, I look at them as a beta test, um, because the reality is the social credit system was never the vaccine passport. It was the sustainability credit system. You can't monitor water and food through a vaccine passport, but with sustainability, you can monitor everything, everything, every facet of life. So economic damage comes first, then you reset into sustainable development. That's how I would see the flow chart going. So COVID creates the issue, right, with the problem. So if we look at thesis, antithesis, synthesis, problem, proposition, solution. So you have the problem, which is the thesis, in this case, lockdowns, COVID, destruction of the economy. Then we get to the antithesis, which is the proposition they offer. And they say, because of this destroyed economy and the shortages, we need to reset and reinvent the systems in case something like this happens again. And the solution, the synthesis, sustainable development. That's how we're going to, that's how we're going to reset the systems to fix the uh, Great Depression that we're going to have and supply chains and all this. So the reason that I think they're switching a the narrative is because they know that they can't prop up this fake economy much longer. And they know that to switch the narrative, COVID, which was only ever the catalyst, the thesis, the problem, has to go for the proposition, in this case, the reset, and then the solution being sustainable development. So that's how I would see the flow. So obviously, I've spoken since day one that this was always going to shift. So it's not surprising to me. Although I must admit, I expected at least another year out of it before it shifted. It did happen sooner than I expected. But that's probably just because they can't keep the fake economy going anymore. It's going to collapse. And Boris is a Boris Johnson is a smoother operator than I think people give him credit for. Because what's who who's not going to be blamed when the economic depression happens? And who's not going to be blamed for the shortages? The person that didn't restrict people at the time it happened. Right. So let's say we fast forward to April or something from now and the economic, I mean, by the way, the economics already crashing now, the stock market's going down and, and we're already seeing the signs now, supply chains, of course. So let's say we go to April, spring, summer, and we say, wow, the economic devastation has happened. Who's going to be blamed? Well, Biden will be blamed because he's still pushing the tyranny. Trudeau will be blamed because he's pushing the tyranny. But Boris Johnson won't seem to be blamed because he'll be like, well, but Boris, you know, we've been back to normal for six months. It's not his fault. So I think he's being a smoother operator than people give him credit for because they're going to blame. So going back to the beginning about technocrats and appointed experts taking over, whose heads are going to be on pikes? Whose head is going to be on a pike? It's not going to be Klaus Schwab's or David Rockefeller's. And Rockefeller's dead. It's not going to be the Rockefeller Foundation. It's not going to be Bill Gates. It's going to be the prime ministers and presidents, which just so happens to suit the greater agenda. So I do think there's a, there's a narrative tie-in here. I don't know exactly how we're going to see these dominoes fall. I think roughly it's going to be economics and the shortages, then the reset and the sustainable development, which is when we'll see the real incarnation of the credit systems. Oh, sorry, mate, you're muted. Lost you a sec. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just looking up this thing because I wanted to bring it up with you as well. Behind the Great Reset, I did a video about this last time. And obviously, this is all going back to um, 
what you're talking about sustainable development goals and, and this all comes mm-hmm. back to sustainable development goals no one's really yep. talking about the sustainable development goals if you look at the young global leaders from the world economic forum and who they are with the positions they're in you're talking macron uh jacinda Ardern, you're talking blair obviously he was older but he was blair Ardern is a, is a blairite sure. um, you're talking dicaprio of all people and that new film he was in is a clear stab at um, a jab at people that won't listen to the science um um who else is who was in it as well there's quite a few people that are around still now that, that are part of the young global leaders but that's a, the, the great reset now behind the great reset was is a thing by the rockefeller foundation i know you've heard of this called the great transition and no one's really talking about the great transition and now this is the same as the great reset but what it seems to be doing is hiding behind the great reset for some reason, other than it may be shielding it. So people aren't really looking at this, but it's the same thing. It says so on their website, it's not hidden, the Rockefeller Foundation, we all know the Rockefellers are responsible for basically changing the way we, our education, changing the, the, the pharmaceutical industry, changing most of it, and a lot of to do with obviously banking. But it's all about using COVID to, um, as an opportunity for sustain, to, to bring in these sustainable development goals. Um, and it says on their website, instead of aiming to restore the pre-2020 way of life, our leaders should set their sights on creating a different, better world. Fortunately, they already have a roadmap in the sustainable development goals, which embody economic, social and environmental targets that all countries have committed to achieve by 2030. Mm-hmm. This obviously goes into Agenda 2030. But mm-hmm. the real fascinating thing with me is this, this actually links into a one world religion as well. Which is really odd. One of the Rockefellers, and I can't remember, it's called like the Earth Charter. Yeah, the Earth Charter. Yeah, is that where what it is? all the, the m- yeah, the Earth Charter is where most of the churches, most of the religious organisations around the world signed on to this Agenda 2030 Sustainable yeah. Development Goal. Right? Yeah. The World World Religion would probably be some kind of Gaia worship, right? Earth worship. It's exactly what they say in there. It's yep. what do they call her name? It's not Gaia. They don't use that name. They use a name of very gnostic there's a gnostic sophia Sophia, that's the one sophia this is all comes in Mm -hmm. and everything we were speaking about and i'm like it gives me goosebumps because it's like it all starts to meld together into this one world religion and it says on on the page i can't find it. that's what i was trying to look at i wasn't being really bothered um this new earth charter says about all the worlds into a one a global religion it says religion in the top paragraph then says religions in the blur in the, the text but the top mm-hmm. part says religion it's quite clearly that this is an occult like a belief system there's these two yeah. belief systems crashing as a christian pure christian beliefs like, like people like yourself mm-hmm. and i'm talking about the, the, the ones that think you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in jesus i'm talking about sure. christian church without all the dogma um mm-hmm. which I, is just as insane to me as thinking we live in a matrix um, and that, I'm not saying either are wrong. I'm not, I have no preference. I'm just saying one set of beliefs is no more bizarre than the other set of beliefs. But this is really going into one world religion, one world army, one world economy, one world everything. Mm. But it's, it's hidden. And I just feel like I want to get your take on it. Do you feel like the Great Reset is kind of like a like a the Great Transition light? It's kind of like something to hide behind? Because I hadn't even heard about this until about two months ago. And I started yeah. thinking, like it's a more grown-up version of the great reset that makes sense yeah yeah i think i haven't done much digging on the transition uh i do know that the rockefeller foundation have have mentioned it a few times 
Um, I, I think it's like any hierarchy here where we know Rockefeller is way higher up the hierarchy than Klaus Schwab is. Mm. So, you know, Schwab just takes his marching orders and Schwab's definitely higher than Gates. But there's a huge chasm between Rockefeller and the rest of these guys, just like there's a huge chasm between Rockefeller and whoever the hell, whoever the hell is behind the scenes that we never see. Right. Do you think it's so, in the terminology, Mark? Sorry. Um, that's right. The, the, using the term as a dog in the garden. Um, <laughs> Hello. Do you is think that your dog or is that it's just not a my dog? dog? I have no idea. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. Crazy. No, it's not my dog, but it's next door. Um, do you think in the terminology there you've got the great reset, the great transition? So if, by using the term reset, everybody's going to be looking for a hard and fast happens overnight thing. When actually in the background, the transition's happening while we're looking over there waiting for the big bang over mm. here to happen. Do you think there's something in the terminology of that? Sure. Yeah. I think that reset, reset is a buzzword that they've been using mm, on and off for a really long time, like build back better. Uh, believe it or not, Bill uh, Clinton was the first person to use build back better in 2005 as a, as a secretary general of the United Nations talking about building back after climate disasters, quote unquote. So these terms have been around forever. Um, yeah. And I think the, the reset is the, it's their way of kind of trying to sell it as a, uh, from a marketing perspective. But I think it also, it gives people almost a sense of optimism. Transition, I guess, is a little different, right? Because you, you have to start to think, well, transitioning from what to what and why. Um, but, you know, on this, on this issue, though, I, I, I think that it's really important for us to really just look at the specifics that they are saying, right? So in this case, the reset is about economics. He said so himself, but yet almost every single person I've ever heard talk about the great reset on YouTube and conspiracy world bit shoot have never even mentioned that. <laughs> right. So like they're all talking about the reset and about the new world order, which is important, which is all true. Well, depending on what they think the new world order is, but let's just assume that they're, they're along the right path, but they've never mentioned once that it's about the economics and, and so we, we end up kind of going down these random tangents and not going, well, what are they really saying? He's saying is tank the economy. That's done. Now in 2022, you're going to feel the effects of that. And now you're going to want the reset, you know, and the transition, I guess, just goes way, way longer. The time frame, right? Because the transition is really way after the reset. The reset is just we're changing narrative. We're changing the economic system. But the transition is all the way to 2030, right? All the way to the end goal. You know, that's probably the major difference. What would be the difference in the economy now from, say, what do you see happening this year to the economy? How will people pay for things? How will people go about? I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but um, I'd like to hear it from someone who knows a lot more than more about me. What are you seeing happening over the next couple of years? If that's the reset part is the economy, the transition mm -hmm. is the part where the economy fits into the broader goals and, and the broader changing of, of how we right. function as, as a race, as a human race. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think we have to really think about the losses that we have incurred over the last couple of years. You know, if we think about it in this sense, we rough estimates put it around a $35 trillion loss in the global GDP. That's like a third to half of all of the world's wealth that has been tanked. So if we were to just think on the scale of just go up to every single person you know and say, if I took half of your salary right now, would you survive very well? The answer would be, I would barely get by. So I think just that in itself probably gives us the answer, right? If we, now it's not going to be quite that even. It's 
it's going to hit some people obviously a lot harder than it's going to hit others. Um, but generally speaking, just imagine everyone losing half the salary and uh, you'll get a good understanding of how bad this will be. In addition to that, by the way, you lose half your salary and everything now costs twice as much. So really, you've lost all of your salary. <laughs> so in this sense, it's, uh, it's, it's nightmare. It's nightmarish. We have to bear in mind that the Great Depression killed more Americans than World War II. This is also because I, I wanted to talk about Ukraine as well. I think we should get into that as well, because that's obviously a big deal right now. Um, but as I said to people when, they, when they're concerned about war, you know, the Great Depression just in America killed more people than Americans died in World War II. But look, you know, around the world, estimates are like 120 million dead from famine during the Great Depression. You know, so it's we're looking at that kind of scale of disaster if we just keep going to where we're going and allowing them to control the economics. Where it goes from there, of course, is sustainable development is, is then seen as the, the synthesis, the solution, right, between the reset and the, the problem of COVID. And in this sense, they say, look, we have a solution. It's a resource-based economy. Therefore, you don't have to worry about salaries. You don't have to worry about uh, capitalism. We're changing that. Now it's a resource-based economy. We don't buy anything, remember? You won't own anything and you'll be happy. So what's going to happen is we're going to control it by resources and everyone's going to get their fair share. Corporations will still be allowed to operate. We're not communist. But what it'll basically mean is there isn't really an inventory or a market for you to create and produce and earn. You know, so we're looking at, and the reason that I do the work I do at America 21 is because that's what I target, the core of the infrastructure. In this case, the core of the infrastructure is 2030 sustainable development in every city in the world. And what happens is when the chips come down, they already have the legislation in place to control those resources. So that you can imagine, and this is kind of what I try to drill home to people, it's already done. This is what most people don't understand. The legislation for 2030 in most of the cities I've looked at was put in between 2016 and 2020. Like it's already in the law now. So that's why we're, we don't even have the opportunity of prevention anymore. We have to repeal. That's why we have to work really hard over these next five years, because otherwise it's already there, which just means as everything comes down, the structure's already in place for them to have their resource-controlled economy, which just basically means you won't own anything. You won't really have a free market economy, uh, but you know we'll, we'll rent and share and you'll be able to access, you'll get portions, you'll get given water resources and food resources, and you'll have an app on your phone that will monitor your use of that resources. Hello, sustainability credit system. So you can start to see how everything really, really links in in a very real way, not in a sort of out there future conspiracy kind of way, like brain chips and stuff. This is stuff that could happen just in five years, in a few years, depending on how things go. So, but the economics is critical to that. And I think that's probably why they're doing this narrative shift now. Um, because I, I do have a fear that there'll probably be some sort of uprisings against the tyranny, which I would support in principle. The problem is, is they're going to try to take out people that aren't actually anything to do with the core of this. You know, so yeah, you go take out Macron or Justin Trudeau. So what? It's not going to change anything. All that's going to happen is that you're just weakening your own national government for the technocrats to do what they were always going to do. Right. So this is why I keep trying to say this, that we have to go 2030 in your city. And that's all you should be focusing on, because if you free that up, you get to when the economy comes down. Yes, you won't have any money, 
but at least you get to you still control your own resources you still control your own farmland you still control your own water and that is life money's fake anyway at the end of the day right i'm not saying i i'm not like a communist or anything like that obviously but we have to be real money is just a promissory note the real wealth is the natural resource so if we don't repeal this 2030 we're we're, we're fucked man because that means they control the actual wealth the farmland the water reserves and everything that we actually need to survive that's just terrifying in that people have no idea in general in large and even people that are doing conspiracy research in the most part have no idea that that they, they understand the social credit system they understand that oh we don't want a china like social credit system you won't have a China-like credit, social credit system. I think what we're kind of mapping out is that you will have a social compliance system so you can get your resources. It's a little mm-hmm. bit. All that comes to mind is, is um, Oliver, please, sir, can I have some more? That right. type of <laughs> case that you're going to be living in. Mm-hmm. You'll be given enough, just enough. And then you're going to have fighting amongst yourselves. You are, And then you're not going to be able to talk about what you want to talk about on the internet these things mm-hmm. won't happen these conversations cannot happen because you we will need to be able to just get by because you won't own nothing and that's kind of like the, the debt forgiveness thing is yeah it? we'll forgive your mortgage i will forgive your student loan mm-hmm. but in return you comply and this is a social compliance score it's not a social credit score it's a compliance and to do with your credit comes to your it's your pocket money is it the pocket money principle and i don't think people just they don't have a clue about this and i and I have a vague like, understanding of not to your extent, but just coming across to that point, understanding that where the great reset is really the economy part mm-hmm. of the great transition, which is the rest of the playing out of what's going to happen. The economy part is so if you guys, if you listen to it like this, so the COVID was the, the problem to cause the reset of the economy, the excuse for the reset collapsing or the reason for the reset collapsing that has to happen, the Great Reset, within the Great Transition to get us where they want us to do, to do, which is to live in off the Sustainable Development Goals, which is a world that you've just described, where you will own nothing and you will be not happy. <laughs> not happy. But you won't Living be happy, but you'll have to pretend you're fucking happy. And that's what I think they're saying. It's not. Well, that's what the VR is, right? You dive into the metaverse because that's your escape. And yeah. that's it's, it's just absurd. I mean... <sighs> To me, it just—it sounds. All, I know I should be laughing because it's so stupid and ridiculous that I can't see it happening. But as you say, they're going to hurt a lot of people along the way. The German, uh, Germany didn't. Um, the Nazi didn't win the war, but they killed a lot of people in the process. And mm-hmm. we're going to see that. We've seen that already with um, hundreds of thousands of people dying because of these vaccines. Where do you think the vaccines fit into it? Do you think that that that, that is a way of getting people compliant? Or do you think there is a eugenics element to that of getting rid of as many people as possible so they're not reliant on a system that possibly they couldn't say you'll live comfortably if there was too many people trying to, you know, trying to balance on the ship that they're trying to build? Well, they have killed a lot of people with them, a lot, a lot more than most people know. You know, I cite the example that come out of Columbia University, which is just ironically the home of technocracy. And uh, Columbia University put together 187,000 deaths in America in six months. 
February to August 2021. So just six months, 187,000 deaths. For context, the actual COVID deaths, when you take away all the nonsense ones, was nine and a half thousand in a six month period, right? So you're talking nearly 20 times the amount of deaths. So um, if we were to say, see that remain steady, uh, we're, I mean, in America alone, we would already be, you know, coming up to a million, but, you know, multiply that by America's only 5% of the population of the earth, right? So you multiply that by another, say, 10, you're looking at in the millions, at least, if not the tens of millions around the world already a year in. But of course, the, the, the disabilities in America that have been caused is about 20 million, which again, globally would be more like 400 million. So you're looking at nearly, nearly half a billion disabled people. So it, it or some kind of incapacitation, not necessarily full disability, but you know, adverse effects. And then as we get into the infertility thing, I've always kind of felt like that was really the that was really the driving force behind it. I, I always said that we'd probably see about five or seven percent mortality rate from it, which isn't small, by the way. I mean, that's like half a billion people of an eight billion person world. It's not by any means small. And I hope it doesn't even come to that much. Um, but that's probably what I would see. I would see it honestly affecting the ovaries more than anything, as we so have seen. That in a would lot make of data. sense if you worked out the maths of giving five to twelve year olds um, these fake um, jabs. Because if you work it out to 2030, you're looking at round of them at the bottom end being about 17, top end being about 24, the right. age where you start to have children. And that's where it become more apparent and also gives it leaves a nice gap to kind of try not to link it to the jabs. But you're getting that generation that would be the next lot of have lot of people having trying to have children around about that time would mm -hmm. be about that age. Would that not be kind of like fair to say? Would be a, would be a fair out. assumption. Yeah. And I also think it's about creating gene editing customers, you know, because the whole idea of transhumanism, of course, is, is, is the future. And Klaus Schwab said he would see this by 2026, this idea that we do uh, actual, we purchase gene editing software by 2026, right? So, and he said this before COVID even happened, by the way. And what would that do, gene editing, just briefly, before we get into Ukraine, because I know you want to cover that, but. Um... Yeah, so I'm assuming it, that's an interesting point. I don't really know, but I'm assuming at baseline, it's going to be things like, oh, we're going to choose what type of software we want to incorporate into our body so we can do different things or so our children can have certain types of traits, right? I assume Something that you'd else. be purchasing it as if it is actual software. Like you purchase software for your computer, you purchase software that can do obviously like an app, an app does a certain type of thing. So I, I imagine that's what they're going for. Doesn't mean they're going to be successful with it, but that's, that's what they're trying to sell to people. That's um, really world, isn't it? Your deltas, it your betas is exactly yeah. exactly what that is. Isn't it, it is. So I would say that the 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 vax for sure, we know for sure it is at least that, if nothing else, that it is about um, seeding the ground for the new resource based economy we were just talking about, and the primary resource is you. You are the primary resource of that resource-based economy. So editing you and upgrading you and getting you linked into all of this, um, the mRNA thing does that very well as the, as the first major step, right? In a similar way to how 9-11 launched 20 years of wars, you know? So yeah, so that's what I'd say. Oh, one final quick thing that I want to point out. We'll talk about this more next time. Um, economics, but I think before we have the sustainability really pushed, after the economic devastation and the supply chains and stuff, I think we're going to see climate blackouts 
before they offer sustainable because there has to be a specifically climate narrative in there to obviously tie it into sustainable development coherently. Um, and you and I have talked before, how would they make it stick, right? Because it's going to be hard to make the climate thing stick like COVID stuck because COVID was like lockdowns, mass fear. Well, what's worse than lockdowns? Blackouts, far worse than lockdowns. At least lockdowns, you just, you know, you literally just stay in your house, you watch Netflix, you eat pizza, blackouts, whole different story. How would and they tie that to, to, do you mean blackout, electricity blackouts? Like, like how would you grids. tie that to, to, would you say it's the weather? Literally the, the weather. weather is taking it down. And that would oh, be harp. Would that be controlled? Like harp yeah, or you technology? Could, yeah, you could use harp or you could even, to be honest, you could even do it by just weakening the grid and weather would naturally just do it, right? Like, for, for example, let's say the, the grid is protected for temperatures of, let's say, minus 10 degrees. Um, which in some places, not even that, like Texas, it was less than that. That's why the Texas grid went down a year ago. All you do is just make sure it's not protected for minus 10 degrees. And when that cold winter comes, out goes the power grid and it's because of the climate. And bearing in mind with this sort of satanic um, twilight language, they wouldn't be lying. They'd say, oh, the climate took out the power grid. Well, it did. They didn't put the protective vision uh, provisions in place, but that's not the point. The point is they'd be telling you the truth. Yeah. So there's all sorts of ways to get around it. But, but by the way, this has already been seeded too. happened in Texas a year ago. It's happened in North Carolina this January. It's been um, I've seen Washington Times, New York Times talking about how the future of America's grid is climate blackouts. <laughs> it's just not been it's not hit the mainstream yet. But let's go back to October 2019. COVID-19 wasn't the mainstream yet either. So economics and supply chains massive unrest, politicians being attacked, climate blackouts, reset, sustainable development, something along those lines. That's for, but that's not going to all happen this year. It could be between now and 2025. Yep. Um, I, it's not all going to happen at once. And there's things we can do. And if you want to know what we can do, go to America21Century.com and you can see what we can do. I think that's something that? we had to look at. I mean, I was looking at the um, Charlie Robinson's uh, macro aggressions. He did a really good one on on some some of his work talking about cyber attacks i think that's something in there as well the yeah. cyber attacks will happen at some point and um, that's going to take down the internet um obviously so that would be huge the, obviously the, your information on your phone will you'll only get official updates news on your phone mm-hmm. and is that was really interesting that's terrifying if it all collapses in on itself um I'd like to talk about what we could do um, to prepare for it maybe in the next one, because maybe we could recap this and then talk about what we could prepare. Because even for myself, it's something where now I'm thinking, okay, this is time to start prepping. Um, Let's go on to the Ukraine, because I know absolutely nothing about these sort of things. (laughs) You can talk to me about lizards and and aliens and UFOs all day long and reptilians. I'll I'll be there. But when you talk about these sort of, when it comes to wars and and, and that sort of politics, it's, it's... it's not something I've kind of got the mind for sometimes. So what is going on with all of this? Why are they suddenly making the US suddenly going after the Ukraine and all of this, trying to get involved with there and making a, in the light of where we are right now, where does it fit in yeah. to the plan that we've just outlined? Well, you know, it's funny, actually, because it's not really my area either, like when it comes to, especially in that region of the world, but just the wars in general, because as important as they are, they're not quite as infrastructurally or as eternally important as the things that we normally focus on. In this case, like the sustainable development stuff or whatever, right? Financial, the economics, these things are things that are much more effectual in our day-to-day lives. 
So I tend not really to focus on these things either. But, you know, the narrative shift is interesting. The timing, the timing of like the COVID mainstream media shifting a little and then Ukraine coming in straight away. It's just very suspect. So, you know, I did a little digging and you and I talked about big new Brzezinski many times, the technocrat guy who works with, you know, national security advisor, et cetera, foreign advisor for Obama. Um, Genius guy, not a good guy, but genius. Very, very good strategist and uh, very, very, very smart man. Well, he actually did quite a bit on Ukraine. So I figured I'd go to the source. Like if I want to learn about this, I'll go to someone who knows most about this and someone who utilizes these strategies in war games and game theory all the time. And as Brzezinski put Ukraine basically like this, Russia needs Ukraine to be in Europe and Russia needs Ukraine to be an empire again. And then I kind of looked into it and I figured it makes sense because Ukraine is basically gives Russia access to the ocean, the ocean through Europe, the ocean through Asia. So basically, if they were to take control of the Ukrainian territory, they have energy control into Europe, but they also have the, which is more important, the naval control of the region in the ocean. And as we've seen with the British and American empires, it's the naval control that makes an empire. If you don't control the ocean, you don't, you don't have an empire. It doesn't matter how powerful your country is. It's only by being able to control the ocean can you, can you be an empire. So there's, those are the, the sort of main reasons why it's a hot topic. But if we dive a little deeper, I think, there's a, of course, there's a lot more going on here. And the primary thing is, if we always go back to that premise, which is global governance, I, you know, I've started to realize that we probably get lost too much in terms like gender 21, 2030, um, technocracy, new world order. Really, we always just have to remember it's about global governance. Like that's the end game. And I think that is the term we should just always be using um, because that's, that's really, it doesn't matter what mechanism they use, transition, reset, 21, 2030, the point is always global governance. That doesn't change. So when we remember that that's the premise, how did Ukraine fit into this? Well, I think America's, de- America's demotion you know, Biden was installed to demoralize America and to reduce America's respect, both internally and externally. We saw the failure in Afghanistan, which I book, of course, I totally support America getting out of every country, but it was a failure the way that they did it. And it was just awful. Taliban went with like $100 billion of weapons. The point is the blunder wasn't obviously by accident. The blunder is to be like, look at these guys, they're becoming competent. They can't, they're not the prominent nation to protect the world anymore. And Ukraine, I believe, is going to be the real catalyst failure for this. Because basically what I think will happen, don't think we're going to go into any World War Three. I hope we don't. I just don't see that as part of this larger framework. But even if we were, it'd be less devastating than the stuff we've already been through, honestly, uh, at least when the ramifications come fully to pass. Um, But regardless, conflict or no conflict, generally what will happen is Russia will go closer to China. And if Russia gets punished because of Ukraine, they'll probably just drop the US dollar, the reserve currency of the world, which will just implode this economic situation we just talked about quicker and faster and harder. Because then there's like, we're not just dealing with an economic depression and we're dealing with an entire economic shift which would certainly help a, help a reset along. So I think that's the primary impetus for all of this. 
yet you get Russia and China because, of course, China is the United Nations proxy for global governance, right? They're the proxy nation now. We're going to use China now because China are close to where we want to be and America isn't where we want it, where we want to go. But, of course, China's just a proxy nation. Like, they're not calling any shots, obviously. Russia gets close to China. US dollar gets dropped. The economy goes down faster. Everything we talked about just gets faster and harder. Doesn't change anything. Just speeds it up. But it was going to happen anyway. And I think that's probably the main reason. America gets demoted. There's no real superpower anymore. There's no real prominent Western nations anymore. And then I guess we have to use China. And then eventually we just have to go global. You know, yeah, we're, we're past the point where any nation can, can do this work. So we, we, the United Nations has to do this work now. Right, something like that, I would imagine. I think is going to be the repercussions of Ukraine, but um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be the most major issue of all of the issues we just talked about. But it's just another major step in that same direction. It's, it's insane, isn't it? I mean, all of these things. I mean, most people wouldn't be able to get their head around just what, what you've said. I know I'm struggling to kind of. I have to go away for <laughs> half an hour and kind of just go. Okay, now I, I understand. Have to slow it. it down. Yeah, I no, no, no. It's not. It's not that at all. It's just that that people don't think about these things. They're worrying about about have, have just put the washing out and is that going to be dry before I get the next lot in? It's not yeah. like these. This isn't the world that people live in. They don't understand these things and they they don't need to understand these things, but suddenly they will do. And it, it's it, the language isn't there for most people. This is going to be terrifying for most people when we look at something like it's just changed complete tact now we've got like 10 minutes left when we look at something like the new age movement and we look mm-hmm. at something like like these people talking about um gaia and mother earth and all of this new and a one world religion is that almost like a kind of soma from the brave new world a way of placating people giving them something to believe in that's just not nonsense but partly kind of like a head in the sand type thing. It gives them a cushion so they won't repel. So they have this one world religion. They have this belief system that really is stopping them from actually facing the truth. Um, And it acts like a Soma or Soma, as they call it in Brave New World. It kind of calms them down and keeps them Mm -hmm. in there. And they're able to function at a level of just keep going. It's kind of like like that. Would would that be kind of like an interesting thought experiment to sort of think about it like that because where does it fit into this and it's not needed but there seems to be a massive push between the great reset that way but there's going to be a pivot to the great awakening and i see this quite clearly this great awakening seems to be like a a cult kind of element there's a real real spiritual religious element but not really spiritual not you know i'm a good person i'm going to treat you well john come my house because you haven't got anything to eat it's pseudo spiritual. Have a look at me on the internet, and I lovely. Um, I'm a Gaia connected 5D trans downloading kind of. You know yeah. what I mean? That sort of. Yeah, I'm. A, I identify shit, as a, a tree, and I'm in touch with my mother nature. And yeah, that sort of shit. I'll it's use whatever fucking bathroom I want to use. That like sort a, of trees don't use bathrooms. No, you no dogs use the tree as a bathroom. In, exactly. In, yeah, I tell you what, if you really are that. a tree. You'll let me take a piss on you, yeah. And then that that conversation will get into all sorts of territory. And yeah, that's see, not going to help. Um, yeah, but... get put on some weird porn site. Um, no, so yeah, well, you know, the thing is, I put my thesis on the website. If you go to America21Century.com and just the button on the homepage at the top says read thesis, 
if you're interested in a deep dive on these topics, I, rec- I really recommend reading it. There's an audiobook version as well. It is a little complicated in parts. It's a bit academically written, um, but but it it's worth it. And one of the things I say in this is everyone has a God, whether they know it or not. Everyone has a philosophy, whether they know it or not. Because often your atheists and stuff will say to me like, well, you know, there's no proof of God. Um, and I say, hmm, interesting you say that because there's no proof of love either. There's no proof of truth. There's no proof of all of the higher things that you think are real every day. Now, I can at least justify love and truth through God coherently and logically, but you can't. All you're saying is I have feelings and therefore they're true. No, it just means you have feelings. That's it. And it's, that's, that's the full stop. And uh, that makes them uncomfortable because now you've just kind of removed the rug from beneath their feet of what they thought was a very solid position, which ends up not being a very solid position. Now, why this is important is because I often say to them, you have a God too. The difference is, is that my God, I have a relationship with and yours, you don't. Mine, I understand and yours, you don't. Let me give you an example. What's usually someone's God is their highest value. Whatever is at the top of your hierarchy, your pyramid. That is your God. And most people don't really know what that is. They have something there, but most of the time they don't know what it is. Unfortunately, increasingly, it's themselves, right? This Luciferian ideology, they are putting themselves at the top of their hierarchy. Therefore, they are, they are inadvertently becoming Luciferian without understanding it. This is actually why I have a lot of problem with this sort of anarcho-libertarianism. Not that I don't understand the importance of freedom and removing tyranny, but this idea that you should be at the top of your hierarchy is... Um, bordering on satanic and i find it very incoherent with the world because if everyone just lived like that right hey i might i'm me you're you let's just do whatever we want to do well hold on a fucking second who's going to build the bridges who's going to run the hospitals like there has to be some duty it you can't just be a matter works, of... isn't it <laughs> right it, yeah it is isn't it yeah 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 you need to there has to be a sense of duty right there has to be a sense of like bond and god is that anyway the point is is Everyone has a God and everyone thinks that they don't have a philosophy, but they do because your philosophy is what helps you navigate to your God, right? In this case, let's say my highest value is truth. My philosophy then will be whatever guides me to find that. In this case, it could be empiricism, the scientific method or something like that. So the point is, is that the Gaia worship, the technocrats, the Luciferians, they understand human psychology better than almost every human, apart from some really, really good people on our side. They understand that people will always need a God, but they don't want the God to be God out of their control. They don't want it to be, for example, in this case, let's take uh, Christ as an example. Well, they don't want that to be the God because if Christ is the God, then that means that's out of their control because they can't change that. They can't make Christ's commandments be something different to love thy neighbor and love thy God which is what Christ commanded us to do. Love thy God, love thy neighbor. So you can't really change that, right? So you need a God that you can control. Well, the earth is- It was love thy neighbor and love thy God. It wasn't obey thy neighbor and obey thy God. Correct. And this is where, yeah. where I, find, I find it difficult when you, you hear these all, a lot of orthodox, really, st- really firm Christians where they're saying you need to do these 10 commandments written by God, literally God knows who if they were ever mm-hmm. written at all, do these mm-hmm. or you go to hell. It just seems that's no different than saying, take your vaccine or you won't be able to get on the bus. 
That's, <laughs> there's yeah. no fucking difference there. Is well, there? Where's my choice? Where's my choice there? Like, I'm not going to do bad things, but I need to choose not to do bad things, not forced into doing, not doing bad things. You yeah. know what I mean? There's a, a big difference. Well, that was the that was the genius thing that Christ did when the because the the Jewish Pharisees were saying this to him, they were quizzing him about the because they didn't trust him, and eventually they gave him up to be crucified, of course. And what they were saying to him was that you know we don't trust you know the law. Tell us about the commandments, and that's when Christ said, "Well, there is only two commandments: love thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself." And he was basically taking a meta view, like a universal view on what this means if you go up to the source, right? And it's really just about love. But the point that I'm making is that the Gaia thing, the earth worship, the one world religion, this is really about them being able to control your God rather than it being out. Because even like Allah it was not some, some not a version of God that I understand, but, but that's still without their control, largely, right? That's still outside of the bounds of what they can do they can still own it's they're limited on what they can control there so earth worship is great because what do you know about what the earth wants you to do right like for all you know 10 years 20 years 100 years from now there could be a doctrine that the earth wants you to get rid of the weak right i mean this is nature just look at what the lions do right so it, the point is you can control that narrative of earth worship but it also is because it ties directly into gender 21 right the the control of the resources by you worshiping the earth you're worshiping the very thing that they need to control the most right we're protecting the earth the earth is our god our highest value climate change has pushed this that now the the, the earth is the highest value and therefore we need to con we need to protect it protect means control and that means see how everything ties together the earth worship now is sustainable development, which is the global governance empire. And they get to control all of it from the metaphysics, quote unquote, all the way down to the practical. And you've got to give it to them. It's, um, it's genius, really. It really is. And how they managed to maneuver this into position to even get this far, even if it all failed tomorrow, just to have even got this far is pretty spectacular. You've got to give the devil his due. You know, Sun Tzu said in the art of war, if he even wrote that, who knows? But I like the idea of like a, an old Chinese dude writing these things down. So I'm going to keep Sun Tzu in mind. He said, uh, you know, if you don't know your enemy and you know yourself, you'll lose as many battles as you win. And it's really important we understand them. It's the only way we can win. You have to understand what they do. Um, and I do want to uh, finish up actually on that point, mate. I know I've been talking a lot. Um, but I did want to just finish up and say that don't be too like black pilled as they say nihilistic about this um you know in six months i have congressmen on my side now for this repeal of agenda 2030 and that's in six months and i've been given not a single dollar from anyone not a single dollar not one so i haven't been paid for anything haven't been given anything and i have congressmen backing this plan of removal and that's just me what can you all do with more people and more time and more resources so it can be done. It can be stopped. I just wanted to point that out. There's a lot we can still do, and we will. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today. Um, it's been a fantastic tour de force for all of this and seeing it all ties together and I, I'm just clearing out the fact that the way this is all headed and where all these little bits work in, and it's just the whole scope of it is is incredible. As a, If you were writing a novel or you were make, uh, if you were coming up with a concept for a film, I mean, this is the greatest story ever told or ever controlled 
or ever fabricated um guys hope you enjoyed this please do share it and we'll be back in about four weeks time for another one of these leave us some questions and hopefully we'll come up with some solutions next time as to what we can do about these nasty little bastards coming after us and our children see you later we will do <laughs> appreciate it guys see you later.